As seen on Fox on Sunday, the biggest sporting event in the world. Of course, I'm talking about the Dallas Cowboys leading the Jacksonville Jaguars at halftime. We're here to talk about it on Club and Country. And of course, more importantly, one of the greatest finals uh, in World Cup history, one of the greatest sporting events, I think many would say, in, in global sports history. This is Club and Country, the podcast of record for Nashville SC coverage from the two people who sponsored sponsored the club. They're not getting our money. <laughs> We've covered the club still in the days from that World Cup longer than anyone in their respective disciplines. I'm Wes Bowling, who's done it on radio. And I am Lionel Messi. The height's about the same. <laughs> That's not fair. I'm six feet tall, man. He's a little, little man. He is standing large today, though, and it is a joy to come on and talk about it. And as we have promised and, and striven to do throughout the World Cup, of course, we're going to talk about what we just saw just on its face, but also try to work it back to Major League Soccer. And Nashville SC is going to bring on a few new members, potentially, of its club this week with the MLS Super Draft, the schedule set to come out Tuesday. And so we're going to go ahead and preview those things. We thought to be silly to come on Tuesday in our normal time and talk about these things as a preview. Rather, we get the preview out of the way now, also talk some World Cup, and come back to you guys after the schedule has come out, after the Super Draft, and recap those things and talk in more detail about what we've learned heading into the holiday. So this is the first of two episodes of Club and & Country. And Tim, we are a spoken word medium here in the podcast space and yet it is hard to find words for what we just saw between Argentina and France. Yeah, I'm actually Tim Sullivan, the owner of clubcountryusa.com, oh, by the way. I'm, I'm sorry, not Lionel Messi. Through that. Yeah, <laughs> who, who, who scored a, a pair of goals in, in first in regular time and then uh, in stoppage, right? Is that right? No, I, don't, I don't know. It was a blur. Anyway, <laughs> a blur. He, he, scored, he scored the opening um, penalty in the in the penalty kick shootout. Uh, Argentina did very well in the penalty kick shootout France less so and it's a fitting coronation for a guy who is as things stand now the best player of all time in my opinion and um you know after he finally got that international hardware with the Copa America um now he has the the biggest piece of hardware in in world football and um it's a fitting likely way to go out for the best player ever and the exclamation point here toward the end maybe not at the end of his international career only really is a greater payoff because it was the question mark for so much of his career. And I, for one, you know, don't necessarily believe that Messi needed this or even needed the Copa America or, or any combination of the right. two to, to be the greatest player in the world. I, it's, it's awfully hard to say, well, so-and-so missed a PK one time or, you know, so-and-so made a defensive lapse. There's nothing to do with Messi. And so therefore he's not the greatest. He, he's the greatest. I think he was the greatest and he is. But this certainly cements that legacy and enriches that legacy in the eyes of so many for the future inter Miami player. Yeah, and the fact that <laughs> and the fact that he's going to head to Fort Lauderdale, having not only um, you know performed like people expect of him in a major tournament, which again was not always the case for Argentina. He was a guy that um, it sounds insane to say, but like Argentines hated this dude because he was always good for Barcelona and never good enough for Argentina. Not only did he did he reverse that narrative, he finished second in the Golden Boot to Kylian Mbappe in the in the scoring competition, and um, two of those goals came in the final. That's obviously hugely important. That's something that, when you look at a guy's legacy, how he steps up in the biggest games, I guess fairly or not in some cases, but in this case, fairly is going to cement what we already believed of his legacy. Greatest World Cup final ever. 
Um, yeah, I can't claim to have been watching the like 1930 final uh, shouts to Uruguay on their championship, but uh, certainly the best among those that I've seen. I, I go back to 94 and I think about Brazil and Italy, which mm-hmm. was in my formative soccer years and years as well. And yet still, I think, you know, it was a bit more of a negative affair, if I remember correctly, yeah, from my oh, fourth yeah. grade memory. <laughs> this one, I think the combination of quality, of drama, of, of stakes, of great players making great plays. This was, if, if you if you or I had scripted this in advance, we just said, eh, it's not going to turn out that perfectly. It's just not. And it did. Right. I would have I would have had Mbappe miss the penalty kick uh, yeah. in, in regular time, but... It'd have been what, interesting. What's the PSG dressing room going to be like, by the way, when these guys return here in a, in a week or so, or two weeks, three weeks? I don't whatever. know. It's it's weird. I it's I would bet that they accept this as just a, a piece of of what being a professional athlete is like, and it's basically it's not out of their minds. Like you don't win the World Cup and then forget about it, but they're they're going to work to do a job, and they're going to be you know professional like you would expect. So let let's chat just for a second about. Messi's potential future destination. These are two people on this podcast, in case you didn't know us, who love to laugh at any Inter-Miami international <laughs> transfer. We love to laugh. Is we love like to our laugh dating profile or a podcast episode? Long walks on the beach, yeah. <laughs> but preferably Copacabana. Um, yeah, no, I like we do love to, to ridicule the idea that Inter-Miami is going to sign some, you know, superstar across the galaxy who because that's what they've just specialized in linking themselves to over the years and again as we said last week they'd have won champions league three times over if they'd gotten all the players they've linked themselves to there have been reports there have been rumors even during the world cup that inter miami are you know quote nearing a deal with Lionel messi according to um the times of london like again transfer rumors are what they are but just for fun because we are a podcast that specializes in major league soccer the impact of a guy like Messi coming off a World Cup win, coming into the offseason and going to Major League Soccer. Can I mean it, it's bigger than is it bigger than Beckham if he if he were oh, to do much, that? much David Beckham was was the biggest name in global soccer when he joined the LA Galaxy. He was never even close to the biggest star, the biggest, you know, on-field performance earning it. Lionel Messi is is I non hyperbolically, certainly I I have not watched every minute of, of Pele or Maradona, but this is the best player that's ever, that's ever put boots on and, and played the game. And he's not washed. He just scored two goals in the world cup final. It would be huge on field. Obviously we've seen, especially going to Miami. In fact, guys, not necessarily with the right motivation to go out and put in the effort and, and put in the, the honest shifts that make them, you know, translate that talent to wins for their team. But if you get like a 60% version of Lionel Messi, you could take, you could have made 2019 FC Cincinnati, the best team in major league soccer. I, this guy is that good. I don't, it's interesting because a lot of our listeners are obviously very, very well versed in global soccer, but for the people who are maybe a little bit newer, this is the best player ever. This is like, if you added, Michael Jordan to to any you know basketball team it is it is that sort of impact to a team and it's going to be pretty interesting to see if it does happen if if he can overcome the adversity that that is simply inherent to unfortunately suiting it up in Fort Lauderdale I I, I want one of two things to happen I would love it if this happened as much mm-hmm. as I love to make fun of Inter Miami's linking themselves to star players I, for the yeah, sake I'll, of the- I'll willingly give up that vice if, if, <laughs> if Messi goes to Miami. The Miami vice. Hey. Yeah, you're going to give up your, your Inter Miami vice. Your Fort Lauderdale vice, actually, is what that would, I guess, be. 
yeah, I would, I mean, just think about Messi coming to Jota's Park and think about that times, you know, 34 games and the enthusiasm that would, that would generate. I want either that to happen or I want Inter Miami to think it's going to happen and then get spurned true to character, perhaps. What I don't want is it for just it just to not really even end up being a remote possibility. I want either them to budget for this and prepare for this and then have to find another backup plan or I want for it to happen. <laughs> yeah, um, no. Inter Miami getting spurned would be the literal funniest thing that's ever happened in MLS, especially if he ended up with a different MLS team. Actually, I'm going to will this into existence now. Messi, Messi to... Charlotte FC. Charlotte Charlotte FC. There you go. That, I mean, geographically might be the closest. You got Orlando in there. Yeah, no, that's true. I'm trying not to Argentina, I'm saying, but to to Spain. But there's a direct flight from Charlotte to a lot of places. Just saying. Lovely airport as well. Shout out to Charlotte Douglas International Airport. Vastly underrated American. They do not not sponsor this podcast. Not yet. It's a lovely airport. Not yet. Here we go. We'll see if we can make that happen. One other note that that bears mentioning, um, for the first time ever, Major League Soccer has a World Cup winner, Tiago Mm -hmm. Almada for Atlanta, who scored actually in U.S. Open Cup action at Geodis Park. He, I'm looking just to make sure he did not get in to the Mm -hmm. final match. He did get in at one point, I think for like 13 minutes as a sub. Yeah, he came on, he came on, I think at the 84th minute and played through stoppage time uh, against Poland, if I recall correctly. Does that sound right to you? sounds right I, I thought it was later in the group stage um so that that makes sense yeah and so it's it's really cool it's really cool to see that and you know i was a little surprised honestly to see that the league had not had a a world cup final participant or a world cup uh winner uh and you know in in 26 it's going to be walker zimmerman assuming he's still active in uh in nashville when the u.s wins the world cup but uh, still a thrill to, to Jack, get to see that. Could be, it could be Jack Mayer. It could be Ethan Zubak. Zubak. There you go. That's it. Zubak actually going to be a golden boot uh, candidate there. I know that, that there were not a lot of defining moments for MLS players in, in this tournament, as is typically going to be the case, even though the league had, I think, the fifth or sixth highest volume mm-hmm. of, of players uh, among global leagues. Do you have a... You know, a, a golden ball winner you'd like to award a, a standout MLS player who I mean, we talked last week about who improved his stock the most. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ismail Kone now has has gotten himself a deal. Alistair Johnston has as well over to Celtic. Is there a player you'd point to as maybe the, the best MLS representative at the World Cup or a bunch of kind of smaller performances that eh, a bunch of players just kind of played OK? Yeah, I mean, given that the U.S. is is the only uh, CONCACAF representative that made it out of the group, it would probably have to be the U.S. or or a guy like Almada who played a very small role for a much better team. If you're looking at the U.S., it's probably Walker Zimmerman. This guy played more than any other MLS player in the in the tournament, if I recall correctly, and at least for the United States. Um, you know, cameos from Shaq Moore, cameos from Jordan Morris, cameos from Kellen Acosta, but. Well, Zimmerman started three out of the four games and played a significant role in the other one as well. So that's a guy who, um, you know, obviously we make no claim of being unbiased in the in the uh, in the offing here, but he's a guy who played probably the biggest role. And for that reason, I think it would be a fair shout to say that he is the golden ball winner from Major League Soccer players. I think it's fair through deductive reasoning alone and also through maybe the Heisman Trophy reasoning of, you know, best best player on the best team. You're right. I mean, you played more minutes or, than the or an player. okay player on the best team, uh, not naming names. <laughs> Stetson Bennett the fourth. Yeah, no, I, mean, I don't. I don't want to go into the Bennett versus <laughs> Hinton Hooker. Wes, we've done it again. We've made it <laughs> college football podcast. 
that it is that it is proudly so and so before we talk about the uh, the playoff semifinal between Michigan and TCU uh, let's <laughs> let's chat just a little bit about what's coming up this week in Major League Soccer it's a big week and it it's well planned I think by the league to have mm-hmm. this little bit of gap of time between the World Cup final when everybody's watching soccer and paying attention and the holidays when a lot of us are going to be checking out for a few days to have the Super Draft, which is going to take place Wednesday and the day before that, the schedule release happening on Tuesday. So first, the Super Draft here, Tim. We have new listeners. Our numbers continue to grow. And so we're going to try to, to walk that line between talking for those who are the diehards who are going to listen every time and those who are jumping in, maybe even during or post-World Cup. Tell us what the Super Draft is and what it isn't. Inform the uninitiated as to how this might differ from other yeah. drafts in American sports. Yeah, it's a traditional college draft. Players can um, be drafted out of high school as well, but for the most part, you're already attached to a team. Um, so you're drafting players who are, are graduating from college or are leaving college early. Um, Adidas and Major League Soccer um, essentially sign guy a few guys to pre-contracts so that they can be selected even though they have not exhausted their college eligibility. Uh, the sponsor pays for the, the remainder of their scholarship that they would have um, had had they stayed in college. So it is a traditional college draft. Each team, you know, one to uh, 34. Is that how many teams there are now? <laughs> so many. Um, not that many, yeah. yet, but it feels that way. Yeah. So from <laughs> one to from one to 28, they they draft. <clears throat> or I guess it's 29 now, yes. Uh, they, they draft in order. And then, um, you know, it, it reminds you of a, a typical NFL draft or NBA draft. The difference is that the impact that a college player, a player who goes to college in the first place, because a lot of the best players are signing as professionals out of high school, they are signing academy contracts with MLS teams that have developed them um, in academies. Um, so you're, the the pool from which you're picking is not likely to be guys who are instant impact players. And that's not to say that nobody makes an impact. Um, Danny Pereira uh, from a couple of years ago, made made a pretty good impact. Last year, Ben Bender for the Charlotte FC team that we're already making fun of a little bit. They already have a Messi because they picked Ben Bender in the in the MLS That's Super true. Draft. They don't last need year. Messi then. They're good. Um, so, so from a Nashville perspective, you have seen this club pick guys who have gone on to make an impact. Um, Jack Mayer, who we've already mentioned as well. Um, Alistair Johnston, who they traded to CF Montreal, uh, but who had be- emerged as a starter during his uh, first first couple of years in Nashville. You can get guys who are are starter caliber. You probably aren't going to get an all-star who's a rookie. It's just a different game. It's a different developmental path mm-hmm. than other American sports. Uh, and for the most part, there's you know you can you can find some some talent in the second and third rounds. A little less likely. Guys who are going to play as rookies are generally the first ten to fifteen picks. And even then, it, it depends on you know what a club's motivations are for picking them. Um, Nashville picked Alistair Johnston to ha- have him develop as a starter in the year that they picked him the, in the expansion year, and it, it worked out really well. Um, they traded him and, and made a lot of money off of that too. Uh, I think they might reg- regret the trade given how much uh, CF Montreal was able to sell him for uh, when he went to Europe. Uh, we talked about that last week as well, but. But for the most part, you're filling holes of depth. You're not filling holes in your starting lineup. Even if you have one of these top 10 picks, you're you're hopeful more than you're expecting to have guys come in and, and make a, an impact on your team basically ever. Think baseball rather than football, I guess, maybe is a way to look at it where you know, you're, you're developing these folks to come up through the chain. A few uh, just, just facts here and, and things we've learned from previous drafts and then a couple of questions. So Nashville has five picks. Uh, number 11 is their first round pick. They acquired that from Charlotte via trade last December. Mm-hmm. So they've got that um, 
and uh, they dished their own first round pick. They did. I don't That's remember right. to whom, but was that yeah. Galaxy for Zubac, or was that a no? Later? That Zubac was was a twenty was a pick in last year's draft. Right. I don't remember specifically what it was. I looked at my spreadsheet and I don't have it written down. So that's, I probably shouldn't have even bothered to say <laughs> I can tell you where happened. they got their current picks in the instance of trades, but I can't tell at the moment with, with mm-hmm. what I'm looking at where they, where those went. So number 11 in the first round, numbers six and 20 in the second round, numbers seven, 20 in the third round. Now, some things we've learned uh, in, in the past about Nashville SC's draft approach. Number one, Charlotte they will acquired the pick. Oh, so Nashville and Charlotte swapped picks when uh, they traded Daniel Rios. That's and there were also international slots and 500K in game yeah, going on as yeah. part of that, too. So we, we know that Nashville SC will trade up if there's a player they want to identify. They, they've done that, I believe, in each of the past two drafts. Mm-hmm. Uh, Alistair Johnston was an example of that. Not only did they pick him, they traded up to, to get him. Number two, then, is that Nashville SC believes that there are typically players available who can contribute. Uh, Jack Mayer, Alistair Johnston, again, good examples of that. Not that we should expect all five of these picks to even get signed by the club. I mean, I think Mm -hmm. your your ratio should be maybe you sign three or four of, of the five, you hope one maybe hangs on in the main squad, but but even then, maybe that's not even what you want. Ahmed Longmire was a, was a loney last year for much of the season, and that was probably always the plan for a, yeah. a player like him to develop and get seasoned. My question then is related to that, Tim, and it is, of course, with, with Huntsville coming on board now, with the advent of your own organization's uh, MLS Next Pro tier team. Does that impact Nashville SC's draft approach? Does it positively impact their ability to develop the guys that they do pick up in this draft? Yeah, to the second question, the answer is obviously yes. They not only can ensure that their guys get playing time, but they can kind of craft the way that these guys are contributing to the team that they currently play for, to the way that they play for Huntsville SC, because you have technical control over this team. You have you can control the direction of their of their on-field product. And, and for the most part, the number one goal of that club is going to be to develop guys for Nashville SC. In terms of whether it affects your draft strategy, I don't think you'll ever see Nashville SC pick guys because they they want to fill out a second team. They will pick guys because they think they are potential future pros for the first team. And if those guys aren't immediate future pros, uh, a little bit of an oxymoron there, but whatever. If those guys aren't immediate pros for the first team, they will be sent to Huntsville. It's more of a matter of getting guys ready for Nashville SC than it is filling out a roster for Huntsville SC. They will be able to send academy guys to play in, in some of the competitive games down there. They'll be able to fill out the roster in other ways. They aren't they aren't going to pick guys and and say, okay, your future, your your you no know, the all that we see out of you is is playing for Huntsville. <laughs> they're they're going to find guys who they think have upside. And, and for that reason, you're probably more likely to see them start to draft even younger. They've been willing to pick fifth-year seniors in the last few years. Mm-hmm. Yes, they picked Jack Mayer, who was just a sophomore at Indiana. But um, when you look at guys who are going to contribute to Huntsville SC, the goal there, again, is is maybe a, a year or two and then hopefully a year with the first team. If you pick a fifth-year senior out of, out of college, that's a guy who's going to be like 26, 27 by the time you expect him to play for Nashville SC if he's getting a couple of years down there. So I think you'll probably start to see less of that they'll gladly pick fifth year seniors who are going to contribute to Nashville SC immediately, or if they think they are going to contribute to Nashville SC immediately, of course, but much more developmental in focus uh, with the, with the super draft and with, with what Huntsville plays as a role in the organization. 
is there still benefit? Is there still a place for loaning out guys to second tier soccer to, to USL when you have next pro, which is maybe a little bit mm-hmm. lower on the competition caliber, but the guys are under your control, as you've mentioned, and they're two hours away from, from Nashville at any given moment. It really depends on, we haven't seen Huntsville play for obvious reasons uh, because they have not yet. So, so it, it really does depend on what level of competition they're getting in MLS next pro. I watched some MLS NP, which is they simply must rebrand this league. It is the worst name, but uh, I watched some of it this past year. You can get guys developmental minutes that are going to help more than loaning them out to other places. But if there are guys who need to, you know, the old cliche of, of playing against guys who are, who are playing for a paycheck, who are playing because that is their job, who are, you know, USL lifers, for example, there's still value in sending a guy to say Louisville city or Memphis, because it's just a different type of training that you're getting Huntsville SE is going to be, you know, much more working on, on technical, tactical stuff. Whereas some guys just need to learn to go out and, and capital C compete against Mm -hmm. grown men. And that's something that there will always be value in sending guys out on loans, whether that's to USL, possibly even to MLS teams that have a need, obviously that gets a little more complicated there, but I don't think you'll see Nashville kind of close the door on, on any sort of vein of loan, just because they have their own kind of in-house developmental team. How will you watch the super draft? Are you going to be tuned into to the entire first round, kind of looking, analyzing, thinking through it? Or for you, is it one of those like, you know, so many of these guys are probably not going to contribute right away that I'll I'll keep a close eye out for Nashville SC's picks. I'll go to the press conference. I'll have the coverage on clubcountryusa.com. But for everybody else, it's like, eh, just tell me when they're when they're on a roster. I mean, I I watch, I watch. Let's not kid ourselves here. I'm You're I'm, a sicko. I'm, I'm outing myself as a to... sicko many times. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, so I'll watch. I would not, uh, you know, I would not command any listener that you f- need to watch unless you want to. It is definitely something that there's not a ton of intrigue. Um, I, I actually haven't looked at the coverage. I don't know if they'll even show the second and third rounds in the past couple of years. They haven't. They've just no. kind of popped them up on the website. So, um, yeah, watch as much as you want to watch. I'm not going to say you have you, you are a bad a- a Nashville SC fan unless you watch. But uh, I'll certainly be sitting there watching I'm not going to claim with bated breath, but I will be watching. <laughs> I will say this. I'm disappointed in one thing. They've moved it. So it's uh, 4 p.m. Central time is when it's going to mm-hmm. start uh, on Wednesday. MLSsoccer.com. Of course, we'll have coverage afterward of Nashville SE's picks and Tim will have it up on the website. I'm disappointed it's not at like 1 p.m. like it typically has been because that's perfect. Like quiet holiday work week, you know, while you're working stuff to have on in the background to distract you. And it's signing it's day. Not. So, so for me, the later uh, in the yeah. day, the better <laughs> but, man signing yeah. day and super draft in the same yeah. day for you. It's the, the circle of life in college right there for you. Yeah. It's the, uh, the day that Nashville SC was announced as a major league soccer team was the first December signing day out there. Also the first time you and I met too. So this is That's right. What a, what a full circle moment right here that, <laughs> that they get to have the super draft on signing day. It's all been downhill from there uh, <laughs> for sure. That was a funny day. I think you've mentioned before that you you you'd already started your website. We decided mm-hmm. like the day before, let's start a website. Oh, let's go see if we can interview Don Garber. Who cares about his media rep? We'll just go tap him on the shoulder and see if he wants to talk. This is me and Glenn Judah of goldengold.com, rest in peace. And so you're over there getting extremely thorough coverage and putting together a story and talking to supporters and talking to club representatives. And we're tapping Don, Don Garber on the shoulder, <laughs> sticking a phone in his face and asking questions. And so we got the Garber interview that I think was read by and watched by 110 people max. And you're over there putting together the real comprehensive story. <laughs> and that's why your site's still around and ours is not. 
yeah planning probably planning and execution <laughs> <laughs> among other among other reasons uh so final final topic today the schedule's coming out tuesday and i know that's a big moment for a lot of supporters as, as they try to figure out where to travel what to do we do fully anticipate nashville sc to make the move uh back mm-hmm. over to the eastern conference as discussed i think even in, in the preview show of MLS Extra Time, they put Nashville in the Eastern Conference as, yeah. as they were going through their list of different teams. It's it's all but it's all but official. It's coming. Uh, so that means, of course, we're going to assume home and homes with each Eastern Conference team and one-offs with some Western Conference teams. What do you hope to get out of this, either from a schedule cadence standpoint, Western Conference opponents, renewed rivalries yeah. out East? What are you hoping for as you wait to watch that release come? I think a trip to St. Louis, who we are expecting to be in the West, their their expansion is what is going to allow Nashville SC to move back to the East. A trip to St. Louis makes a ton of sense. It makes mm-hmm. sense with what Major League Soccer has done with single expansion teams in years that there aren't two teams joining together. They have had the, the closest teams travel to them or, or vice versa. I would expect Nashville SC and, and St. Louis in, in the long run to eventually end up in some sort of division together. So, so getting that rivalry started makes a lot of sense. I would like to see a return to to the Los Angeles teams, a return to Seattle. I know those are very difficult trips for people, but they're very fun trips. They're very cool places to visit. They're very cool places to watch a soccer game. Um, also, obviously, you know, the Texas teams, if I think Nashville SC and St. Louis are in the long run going to end up in some sort of division, I think it probably includes uh, some of the Texas teams, unless it's, you know, a weird Southeast thing that includes mm-hmm. the Florida teams. But yeah, I, I think uh, the fact that there's going to be a pause for a month in the middle of the season for the uh, CONCACAF Leagues Cup, whatever it's called. The, I think it's just the Leagues Cup. Just Leagues Cup. Yep. <laughs> the fact that they're going to pause the schedule for a month to, to play against some Liga MX teams, um, those will all be played in Nashville. Nashville is one of the seeded teams, so they will play their only games in that competition in Nashville. That's going to mean that it's probably a pretty tight summer again. They're probably going to have to be more midweek games than they plan on having in the long run. So Mm -hmm. that could be interesting with travel. Obviously you hope for as many of the home games as possible or as many of the Wednesday games as possible to be at home so that they are are Mm -hmm. ones that Nashville SC fans can see. Um, That doesn't mean, um, you know, Hey, a Wednesday game, I'm not flying to Seattle for a Wednesday evening sort of deal, but um, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm nervous about it because it is a weird situation when you have to kind of, make some assumptions about the teams that Nashville SC is going to play much less when they are going to play them. So that's something that we'll be looking forward to. But I, I think the the league is going to have a pretty good plan for, for a team that they've kind of jerked back and forth a few times here. I'm excited that this is the first normal schedule in Nashville SC history. I mean, mm-hmm. 2020, we don't have to discuss, obviously it wasn't normal for anybody. 21, because of Nissan stadium, they had that really, you know, early and, and middle loaded schedule yeah. uh, to account, account for football season last year. We don't talk about the, you know, the long season opening road trip. What I want though, is a three game home stand in the summer. Maybe it's not possible. Maybe that's not practical, but a Sunday, Wednesday or Saturday, Wednesday, Saturday, three game home stand where, or even just, you know, three three and three weeks where people can have a stretch where they come and fall in love with this team before school mm-hmm. starts back. I think that the summer of soccer was, I think, the most rewarding, most fun part um, of the uh, the 21 season. Yeah. Uh, when fans were back in and when you had, what, four straight at home, I think, in that stretch. And it was a, a chance really for for fans to to get in and follow the, the club and get to know Hani Mukhtar, who was awesome during that stretch, had a hat trick in Chicago uh, in one of those games. 
that's what I want. And yeah. I'm excited that that Nashville's longest, you know, in intra division road trip is going to be a two and a half hour flight. I mean, I, I guess it's either probably you know, to to Boston slash Foxborough, to, yeah, to Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, like yeah, exactly. Um, Windsor Locks, I think, is the <laughs> airport. It's one of those. That that's great. Of course, they're going to travel out west a long way, but there's not going to be any, you know, LA Galaxy three hours come home and then go back and play San Jose that next week, which happened on a couple of occasions for this team. Mm-hmm. That's going to make a big difference. I think maybe we we've underestimated we as a collective MLS society, maybe not you and I, have underestimated the impact that 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 road those road challenges had on Nashville throughout yeah. the year and not just early on. And for me, I agree with the St. Louis piece. I think that's great. And I think, you know, Nashville, Austin has has started to become a little bit electric. I'd love to see that continue. And I want to see Nashville play the best of the best. I, I would rather have LAFC on the schedule than San Jose. Um, I, mm-hmm. It's not about the three points in that case. It's about getting the best folks coming to Nashville. Chicharito, bring him back. Let's go. Let's do it again. Let's run it back. Uh, and, and I hope that Major League Soccer is at least thinking a bit about you know, marketing as they put these schedules together, which they always kind of are. They always kind of sometimes above even fair competition. You're going to get some, you know, some marketing heavy stuff. Yeah. Um, Soccer United. Yes, exactly. (laughs) Uh, One note, of course, with Apple TV taking over the TV coverage, and we still have a lot to learn about that. We did learn that the linear deal is through. Tudin is, uh, is out for regular season matches. Fox continues um, and uh, there's, there's some other details you can read, and you, you tweeted about it and wrote about it at clubcountryusa.com. Uh, but they're trying, to the extent they can, to lump together start times. So Saturday mm-hmm. night, there's going to be whip-around coverage and a lot of games happening at once. So expect most games to be Saturday nights, Wednesday nights, uh, with, again, the majority of them being on Saturdays, and some yeah. flexibility there. But I think as you look at what you're going to see there, you're going to see a lot of Saturdays and a few Wednesdays sprinkled in. Yeah, that, that's what we're expecting. I'm I'm still, I think I've probably said some version of this on the pod before. I'm still not a super fan of of all the games happening Saturday evenings. I think it would make a lot of sense to have like a college football style where there's games happening, mm-hmm. you know, basically all over the course of the day. I understand why they're doing it um, in a lot of respects for television purposes, in some respects for simple consistency purposes, weather purposes in hotter parts of the country. But the the bright thing is going to be when you fire up your your apple tv capable device and and you can watch you know four games at once on a wednesday night and then you can watch basically every team playing on saturday night we'll see if that if that outweighs maybe some of the the slight negatives for me too yeah as a consumer of the game i'm completely with you i love those random 1 p.m starts or 11 a.m starts you know Mm -hmm. it seems like that's often you know the the Miamis and Atlantas though Atlanta had a ton of those, uh, but as a broadcaster of the game, uh, you know if I'm thinking in that hat the hat I've worn in past years at least, I'm thinking it's kind of like every night's decision day when you're constantly looking around the league and updating yeah. and and focusing and it helps you kind of almost tell more storylines during during the match when they're ongoing. So I'm I'm pumped about that for sure. Any other schedule thoughts, anything else you want to chat about before we get out of here and prepare for some watching of the schedule release and super draft <laughs> and another show in midweek? No, just just that it's it's actually here. It's getting real and, and the season is going to be coming very shortly here. Man, it goes fast this offseason. Can't freaking 
Wait. All right. Uh, by the way, we did not give a shout out to ML Rose on this show. That's a mistake. And <laughs> since we have a couple shows this week, we'll give him some extra love in the midweek. Uh, ML Rose is a place that I'm going to be going with some friends uh, as we had a World Cup uh, pick'em group where we each chose chose four teams, snake draft style. And uh, I, I will say the winner of that was uh, was actually a good friend of the show and uh, brief one time co host. Valer Shabila, he is he won. Yes. Argentina was his Let's team. go, V. Let's go. And he beat the uh, maybe the most prolific. I think yes, the most prolific mailbag question writer to this show, Logan Elliott, who had France. So Argentina, France was actually Valer versus Logan. The thing I'm most happy about is either way, an Arsenal fan was going to win. I was going to say a lot of Arsenal representation here. Yeah. So so the plan is to go probably perhaps during Arsenal match window time. And hit ML Rose. And those of us uh, who are in the group, there was no money on this. There was a much more important prize, which was that the winner in the draft, by the way, was held at ML Rose. The winner is going to just have their their meal and their drinks paid for by the rest of the group. So uh, I believe Valer said he might have to be carried out. <laughs> so uh, it, it is victory is sweet in fact it is carolina sweet for uh for valeria shabila i can't wait to get together it's probably gonna be after the holidays and again probably during a match day or maybe even get into february into like europa time i don't know um yeah. but really excited to get to ml rose and and continue to 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 strengthen that sense of community around this game yeah, and there is no higher honor for an arsenal fan than watching a europa league match <laughs> <laughs> hey, that one day changed uh, that's that's the thing I, I think that's why we're gonna have to carry valeria out like either way like number one is not used to trophies you know like this is this is brand new so don't know how that's gonna go it's gonna be really weird but he, he's gonna i think when we give him his carolina sweets he's gonna raise them up to the sky and hold them around <laughs> and we'll all jump around there's gonna be confetti and beer flying and hopefully emil rose will continue to sponsor us after that <laughs> uh but but again the 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 go-to place that like before i even launched this was like you know what i want to get some some friends together who are following the world cup and do some trash talk throughout but i know where we're gonna do it like mm-hmm. that that was the that was the place that's the go-to and so i can't wait to to celebrate that and we can't wait to celebrate uh, two big steps toward the 2023 mls season somehow already nashville's fourth in major league soccer and we'll have more for you later on this week thanks to moon taxi for the music 440 sports for the platform we will talk to you again right before christmas